Cameron, I literally just got back from LA and I have a brother-in-law. Is that what it is? Bre- step, it's not stepbrother. I think it's no, brother-in-law. It's a brother-in-law. He, <laughs> he's married in. I never get it right. Yeah. Um, who has a weird thing about going number two, like when he's not home. Right? Sure. Yeah. Um, and so I've always wondered like, why? Like that's such a weird sensation, you know? But on this trip, when I was traveling, I was like, I'm finding it difficult. You know, like I'm in a situation <laughs> where like we're going out to eat a lot for some reason. The, the travel, it's wearing down on me. The body's not flowing in the correct way. And it was just an uncomfortable. I was like, is this scientific? You know, right before we were recording, I was like, hey, Cameron, I got to use the restroom. I think like it's like you're home, you're safe, you can go. You know, it's it's fine. <laughs> it's allowed to happen. You know what I mean? Do you Have you ever experienced anything like that? Um, I don't know, because I, I don't really get, like, pee shy or, or or anything like that. I I, I feel like it is difficult to go when, when you're in, like, a stall and there are other people in the stall. You know what I mean? But yeah. if you've got your own pri- private bathroom, a lot of the, um like, the SF bathrooms are, like, you know, it's your own little enclosed private space. And that feels a lot better, you know? I, I love how, like, um, back in college, I always laugh about this, but there's, like, a meta in men's bathrooms where it's, like, when the hair and dryer goes on, it's, like, rain fire. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's the time. It's suppressed. Just let it go. There was this one bathroom stall at uh, West Valley, the community college locally over here, where it was just, like, tons of men's stalls. Like, it was, like, 10 or 12, six on each side, right? And there was just a short intermission period before classes. And it was like those stalls were loaded and it'd be dead (laughs) silent. The hand dryer goes on and it's just like D-Day just going down (laughs) in that bathroom. But I don't know, like driving back up um, on 101 today, I was uh, we stopped in Solvang and I was like, if anything's going to get the bodily fluids moving, it's Solvang, you know, cause they got sure, the, yeah, the bratwurst 100%. and all that stuff. It's a really strange Dutch village. Um, and I don't know why it's, it's on my mind cause we were just there, but, um, have you been there Cameron? I think, yeah, I have. Is it Dutch or is it Swedish? It, I always thought it was Swedish. I'm pretty sure it's Dutch okay. because I was yeah. just there. So yeah, maybe. I, yeah, all I was doing is mixing up Nordic countries and probably sounding wrong. But when we were there, I wasn't saying anything about it. I was like, all right, let's just find these hot dogs and go, you know? Sure, so, sure. It, yeah, it, it's not a show about um, hot dogs, but... No, no. and Or potty humor, I guess, uh, which is what we did start off with. <laughs> this is full... Ju- Cameron's judgmental eyes looking at me. <laughs> He's like, of all the openers, <laughs> eyes. I was trying very difficult to keep it classy, I'm, you know? I know, I know, I'm joking. Um, hello, and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, directed by Stanley Kubrick, starring Kier Dulia and Gary Lockwood. My name is Cameron Tuttle, and I'm joined with Isaac Ransom. Isaac, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm a little exhausted from the travel. I had a decent amount of coffee on the road. I'm fresh out of the city that makes movies. Los Angeles, I didn't learn anything about film there. Mm. We were there for Juliana's music stuff. But I did want to shout out um, a guy named Matt that is an editor that I met. Hopefully he's listening to this episode. It was great meeting you, man. So yeah, that's my shout out. Mm, mm. <laughs> I'm, oh. I'm well though, Cameron. I'm, I'm well. Yeah, that's, that's good. I am feeling very exhausted, uh, this past weekend, but, um, we, you know, this is like the third time we've tried to record this episode, um, which is kind of, uh, 
it, it kind of terrible, but you know, we're getting through it. It's it is like late Monday night, and we are we're going to put it out today. That is hopefully the promise. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm gonna edit it tonight, and it's it's I mean the video version will be a little bit later. I know Tim has been waiting for this episode on 2001, so uh, we apologize for the delay. We literally had like two failed recording attempts, so at least we're getting it out, and it's it's going to be great. It's going to be a conversation. This is an, a very interesting movie, especially as someone who is maybe not as fully educated on it. I found it quite fascinating to sit through. Cameron, what have you been watching um, for this last week? Honestly, I haven't been watching that much. Um I started the Heaven's Gate documentary. Um, I think it's just called Heaven's Gate uh, something else. It's on HBO. Um, it's good. It's just like, it's kind of exhausting. I, I like, I don't know. I've been finding that whenever I watch something, I, I like am falling asleep. So, and I guess that's kind of the theme of this this movie too. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just have not been um, feeling like, like you know there's a mode you go through when you when you're like you know into watching movies or into playing video games or into reading or whatever i'm just feeling not in the movie mode right now so i haven't been watching too much but um yeah i do want to shout out uh, me and juzo actually recorded a podcast uh a little bit ago like last week um just kind of going over the uh, some of the Oscar movies. Uh, it's probably not going to be out yet. Uh, he he has to edit it, I'm sure. But um, yeah, it was the first time I got to see Juzo uh, in person in like since uh, July or something or September maybe. Um, so it was really good to see him. Uh, hopefully, you know, now that things are kind of moving along, uh, COVID wise, hopefully we'll be able to to hang out more and um, do more stuff with him. So yeah. Yeah, you can check that out at Juzo Greenwood Podcast on YouTube. Um, he's a good friend of the show, supports the show. He's a Patreon, and he's awesome. Cameron, I'm going to just totally steal your badge of expertise because I've been watching tons of movies, uh-huh. uh, and so I all of the incredible quality. Let me tell you, let me tell you. Uh, I started off after watching 2001 on Monday with watching Godzilla vs. Kong, right? Um, which was just an absolute wild film that is so stupid um and you just kind of have to take it for what it is i didn't i didn't really know how to feel about it it was just kind of dumb so uh if that's what you're looking for it's there to watch on hbo max for free i guess even though you're paying for the subscription i also watched the parent trap like the newer one Maybe not the newest one, but the one that people know, like that's on Disney Plus. It's With Lindsay super, Lohan? Yeah, it's not the super yeah. old one. It's the one where it's like I, I just am blown away that there's only one Lindsay Lohan. Like as a kid, I was like, wait, there was only <laughs> there's only one? Like how's that even possible? Like I was just I I couldn't believe it when I heard that. But um, yeah, that I that movie is really heartwarming for me. I don't know what it is. It's just extremely nostalgic. It's nice to watch. And I don't have much else to say besides the fact that it's quite fun. So, um, yeah, I recommend that. It's on Disney+. Plus. If you haven't seen it, I don't know how you haven't seen it. Um, and did I watch anything else? I watched a ton of Stranger Things. Uh, while I was in L.A., there was this, um, like, there's this thing that happens when you go to sessions where they're, like, writing music and working on this track for, like, six hours where 
sometimes if you're in a really nice studio, they just have a TV that they turn on something. So I pretty much sat for about six hours and binged the first season <laughs> of uh, Stranger Things with subtitles as um, my girlfriend wrote a new song for this electronic guy. So, um, yeah, I, I watched that kind of unintentionally and it was, it was neat to like have people creating music and stuff to something that looks kind of artistic. It's not necessarily in the creative process, but it was just almost like reference or like eye candy, sort of like visual inspiration if you were stuck in a moment. So nobody ever acknowledged it, but I was sitting there thinking, this is kind of a cool idea that like something's playing in the background and it actually makes me think a lot about the movie we watched this week again this is cinema spectator you can support us at patreon.com slash ecfs productions throw a couple dollars our way get an exclusive commentary track get in on all the action have your questions read on air because nobody ever asked questions and we check the patreon and yeah so there's never questions on air so if you want your question you can give and have that ability have the access to vote on films that we watch each month. This month is sci-fi month, so we're going to be doing a commentary track coming up here pretty soon. Cameron, what's the commentary track on for this month? Uh, I don't know yet. I haven't decided, so uh, well, I'm going to punt. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, if you don't have a few dollars to throw away, that's all good. You can give us a rating on iTunes. Please give us five stars. Sometimes we read fun reviews. Tell friends and family. That is how the show grows it's time for some 2001 talk, Cameron. This movie is very strange. I'd like to hear an intro and any sort of context you want to give to it. Yeah, absolutely. So this movie, um, directed by Stanley Kubrick, um, it came out in 1968, which is one year before the moon landing. So, you know, important little uh, trivia to keep in the back of your mind. Um, this was sort of you know, there was there was a couple different phases when it came to sci-fi. Obviously, we we watched a really early sci-fi movie um, in Metropolis. It was kind of dubbed as the first sci-fi movie, and this came after a wave of sort of what's called the sci-fi B movie era. You know, there was a lot of lower budget, uh, sort of. You know, they, they were they were they were pretty much popcorny um, B movie flicks that were, you know, intended to play right before you saw something that was, you know, huge and epic and in scale and scope. Um, and so, uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, I don't know if you, are you aware of sort of like the B movie, a movie system in terms of like what that means? Not um, exactly. Yeah. So originally, um, obviously this ended in 1948, but um, the B movie system was was basically it was a practice called block booking. So what they would do is this the studio would sell um, what's called their B tier picture, right? The cheaper, lower budget um, one that pretty much nobody wanted to see. Um, they would package that with the A movie, right? The A tier movie. Um, and the reason was, was because obviously this was a cheaper movie, uh, but if they could package it along, uh, you know, they, they'd be able to sell more tickets uh, because it would be screening at these, at these theaters. Um, and a lot of times what, they, what the theaters would do, because they were kind of forced to do this, um, they would sell them as sort of a double feature. You know, you'd have your B movie first, and then you'd have to stick around to see your A movie. So... In in uh, 1948, there was a there was a huge decision called the Paramount decision, um, which ended a lot of different things in Hollywood, but uh, specifically block booking as a practice. So, um, but the the term and the the sort of practice of making a smaller, lower budget movie that 
still kept going and is obviously something that continues today. Um, it's just a, a little different in terms of, of the economics. But um, but yeah, in the 50s, what you would see is is a ton of smaller, lower budget B movie, uh, B sci-fi movies, sci-fi and horror too. You know, that's where you get the universal monsters. Um, those were all kind of in the same vein. So um, this came out a couple of years after in the in the late 60s. Um, this came out before sort of the the 70s, 80s rise of sci-fi, but after the the sort of big heyday of of you know the the fan culty uh, B movies. So um, this was caught in a weird position in terms of as a, being a studio pick. Um, you know, it was huge and epic and very long, so it kind of appealed to the to, to that crowd, the epics crowd. Um, but it was also a heady sci-fi movie, you know? So, um, it's a very, it's a very strange movie in, in a lot of different ways, but specifically because it was like, it was probably about 10 years ahead of its time, um, in, in terms of like relevance. And so, um, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting when you, when you look back on it, because obviously it, it preceded many things that you recognize and know and still love today, like like Star Wars and um, you know uh, sort of the classic run of of um, sci-fi movies. But at the same time, it was um, extremely extremely unique for its time and innovative, extremely innovative. So um, that's kind of my my early spiel. I I do want to say. Um, Stanley Kubrick, we've obviously seen one movie of his. We we saw The Shining, which is 12 years after this. But um, uh, he was sort of coming off a run of um, black and white movies. Uh, you know, he made um, – he made uh, actually, no, he made Spartacus a couple years earlier. I can't remember what year that was, 1960 maybe. So, um, you know, he made he, – he was, he was kind of – famous in this time obviously but uh he was he was still an an earlier director still a, a sort of newer director and this is his first oscar his first and only oscar actually um and do you want to guess what he won for uh cinematography no yeah he actually won for and it was him personally um won for special effects so oh well yeah that makes a lot of sense it does um but at the same time you know, there was a lot of revision about sort of should he be deserving of the of the special effects award, um, you know, as the director and not the, the you know effects supervisor. You know, there there was a lot of sort of um, there was there was a conversation to be had around that. But in any case, um, yeah, that's sort of my my spiel. Yeah, I this film is so not 1968. I like what you said about how it's ahead of its time. My brother walked in when we were watching it and was just instantly stunned with the way it looked. It it is a striking film. Um I said, "Glenn, guess what year this movie was made?" He was like, "Okay, it's I want to say the 80s." That's what he said, but he's like, "I know you're trying to trick me." So I'm going to say 1972. That was like his guess. And I said, "Lower." He's like 1970. I was like lower. He was like what? I said 68. And he was like, "There's no way." Like he was just absolutely like jaw dropped. Like how can a movie that old look 
this good. This movie rivals the look of modern films in in some regards. The set design, the use of practical effects, the miniatures are just fascinating, and the colors are breathtaking. Like this this movie is science fiction at its like at it at its core to this day like i think movies are pulling from this film and i really believe that it marks sort of a visual style and execution that has pushed the genre itself to strive for like breaking ground essentially right because watching it today i was still like taken back by like how did they even do this you know and as a as a casual movie viewer i'm not usually thinking about that i have more experience in in sort of like post production or working on a set than most but i just like that's not usually the thing i'm thinking about especially now when everything's like green screened or like nothing's actually shot at a real place and so they didn't have that sort of technology that they use today and i'm sitting here thinking like i don't know how they did it i literally i'm like i'm like i don't know how they did it right and and the what's even crazier is that they hadn't even landed on the moon yet you know like that's what really really blew me away watching it cuz i was like how did he know what it was even supposed to remotely look close to and there's some things that tell you like okay you know we had never seen that footage and the whole conspiracies about, you know, did Kubrick, uh, you know, film the moon landing, all that crazy stuff. Right. Um, it makes sense now. Right. Like personally, yeah. I was like, Oh, I totally see where people are pulling from this. Right. So I was, I was very taken back by this film's cinematography. It's visual effects don't even make sense for 1968. It's look is just crystal clear. Like I watched it on HBO Max and it is more gorgeous than most modern films I've watched in the last two, three years, right? Uh, and like simple things like just dialing in the blurred backgrounds just right enough, you know? I, I really do, I, and I kept thinking about like Interstellar during this film mm -hmm. because... Um, it's almost like Interstellar is a love letter to this movie in some ways. Yeah. Um, and that that's kind of like the frame of, of reference I could consider in it, but like those tight facial close-ups of people with, you know, all the digital lights and, and spacey looking things behind them. Uh, when they're, on, when they're in the, the latter, the, the ending third of the film, right. The crew that's on the space thing or, uh, those those um, slow, like gargantuan planets that are you know slowly taken in by the camera, and it's like there's no way you would ever visually be able to see what we're seeing. You know, it's almost like the undiscovered, like none none of us will probably go up into a space thing and be able to see that stuff. You know, and even even if you consider it right, like. Well, can astronauts even look at planets? Like, doesn't the sun blind you if you look at... I don't know. Like, there's all these weird rules in space. Everything's trying to kill you while you're up there, right? <laughs> um, so it's just like... 
full of creativity and excitement to be able to experience this um, embark through filmmaking. And I think that is this film's strength is what can we achieve? You know, how can we break ground in the filmmaking space? And it's done through the lens of sci-fi. And the same thing happened in a way with the last sci-fi film that we watched, right? Metropolis was very strange, pushing the boundaries of what you could do with a reel of film, right? All the layering and stacking and stuff. Like, I think that this movie is a staple because of the way it's pushing filmmaking. And that that's the exciting element, Cameron. Yeah, no, yeah, 100%. Well, and I, I do want to circle back on terms of, uh, you know, what I meant as well uh, when I said that this movie was about 10 years ahead of its time was this movie didn't really do well, um, especially not at first. It kind of had some buzz going. Um, you know, there was like the really hardcore people who would – um, who had vouched for this movie, but yeah, it was, it really, really wasn't, um, it, it kind of flopped as it came out. Um, it, it became more of a, of a household name, I think later on, especially after sort of, um, after Star Wars and after, after that, you know, the wave of, of sci-fi films. Um, and, yeah, I think you're totally right. It's, it's definitely one that you can see influence in, in, uh, even modern movies, um, you can totally see it as the the sort of genesis of so many of these of the visuals that you you recognize from from sci-fi. Um, I think it totally is. It's like you know, it even things as simple as like what a what a um, a corridor might look like in a spaceship. You know, simple things or like a control panel. Um, you know things like that. It's very you, you can clearly see how like that has evolved um, into the language of the of the genre, um, and that's what I that's definitely what I find most interesting about it. And I I find the visuals and the um, the the cinematography just I mean they're breathtaking. I um, I've seen this movie a couple times, uh, but the 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 um, the most complicated time in terms of my own feeling that I saw this movie was, uh, in 70 millimeters at the Castro theater in San Francisco. And so it was like, it was like the best way that you could possibly see it. And like the visuals are just so, so, so gorgeous and like, yeah, stunning and breathtaking. Um, the problem for me with this movie comes to, to like, I, so first of all, I just want to preempt this and say um, it's very unpopular to to uh, <laughs> to not praise this movie in its entirety. Um, but I do feel like that's what I'm going to do um, because I have really mixed feelings about this movie. At, even being a, a a bit of a Kubrick uh, nerd, like I am, I'm someone who really really loves Kubrick movies. Um, and much more than a lot of, I think a lot of people see Kubrick movies as like as distant and sort of standoffish, a little bit like too, um, uh, too heady and and Brechtian. But like, I really really love Kubrick. I love him for his visual style. I love he he left genuinely he left 
probably the biggest impact on me as like a developing filmmaker um, and film enthusiast. He he left um, probably the biggest impact on me uh, of of any director. So um, I will give him uh, huge props uh, before I go into delving into why I, <laughs> I don't love this movie. Um, the, the problem for me with this movie comes to the fact that it is so, um, arduous to watch. <laughs> um, I find this movie to be really, really boring. Um, and that's not a, that's not really something that I say casually. Um, you know, I'm I'm one who has sat through way more boring movies than this, uh, and made you even Isaac sit through way more boring movies than this. But um, yeah, for me, uh, this movie um, confuses me a lot because I I end up thinking about it. Um, I think about a lot of the visuals. I think about a lot of what it's trying to say and sort of um, its general. Uh, philosophical grounding and sort of the the dangers of 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 AI the dangers of sort of um humanity being eclipsed um but every time i watch it and every time i i like after i watch it i'm always struck with how um disengaged i am with it you know um on a on sort of not even just an intellectual level just uh, just on an interest level um Every time I feel like I, I'm just wandering to different to different things in my mind, or I'm like, you know, distracted, or I'm not really paying attention in terms of of you know fully engaging with the movie. Um, and I really think it's 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 the biggest struggle with with this movie is it's so long, um, it is so slow, <laughs> and it doesn't really serve the movie all that well. Um, I've talked a lot in my own time with, you know, talking with Juzo or, you know, talking with, with other friends. Um, I, I always call this the, the, the greatest short film ever made. Um, (laughs) because I, I genuinely love the opening sequence and I think it's like probably the best, one of the, the greatest, um, sort of explorations of of mankind ever put to film um and i just think the rest of the movie is so uh dull <laughs> in a lot of ways um so that's such a like that's so interesting cameron because i found the opening to be the most boring part of the film <laughs> because yeah. i was like i'm ready for sci-fi you know yeah yeah, yeah. and it's also so famous right with the music yeah it's almost a trope in and of itself, right? It's like, I don't really care about watching this. I don't really care about experiencing the slow and intent way for you to see, like, at least what I interpreted as a a visual representation of mankind, you know, pushing the limits, right? You know, learning tools and the great cut when the bone is thrown up in the air and then boom, you're in space. Right. I was like, okay, well that could have been a lot shorter. That was like my first reaction. Right. I was like, I didn't need to sit with the monkeys for that long or whatever. Neander Neanderthals or whatever they are. Um, I like some of the visual elements, like the, the monolith is epic looking and very cool. Um, 
it just sits on the camera sits on it forever okay like you just made something great not interesting essentially right like yeah i want there to be that touch of mystery that draws you in but that touch of mystery that is definitely there like and it's masterfully placed is only degraded by boredom right um i was excited to experience what was going on in the sci-fi world right like as soon as you saw kind of the corporate um talkings of whatever's going on on this planet and the guys traveling i'm like i'm totally into this like the sterile corporate feeling i'm like i am bought in then we see the monolith so striking the moon imagery or it's not a moon i don't know it is the moon i don't know it's some planet um yeah it's on the it's on the moon yeah and i'm like wow like i can see the inspiration for some of the video games i play like destiny and and just i'm obsessed with sort of like the frozen 1960s interpretation of the future right with the the old like crt looking screens with with like visual call i'm like man this is just so neat and And he's like paying he's like paying with a credit card which basically hasn't existed yet like yes it's it's crazy (laughs) yeah like the 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 digital like facetime yeah yeah that i'm like i love it i absolutely love it right and um just some of the some of the like small things like i'm a big fan of the black ops franchise like and i always bring this up but like the way that the moon the moon surface is interpreted with a with like that 60s future look i don't know i was like i'm geeking out about this and then hard cuts and i'm like okay that was like a weird thing and it takes you to another plot with the crew going off to um something to discover what's yeah to discover where that monolith has gone right um because apparently it left and so like i was really interested in the plot that was barely scattered through there and it was still enough to follow but i wanted more detail on that i wanted more and and that's like as a viewer as a casual viewer i was like i wish i got a little bit more of that and instead of fleshing it out or leaving it open-ended for mystery it's like Kubrick has a secondary mission to try to make some existential statement uh, with a dramatic visual effects ending, right? And I can appreciate, like, the visual effects and all that, but I totally agree with you, Cameron. Like, the the ending in particular had me the most disengaged than I was in all the other movies. Yeah. The only thing I could think about of interest is, wow, this is cool. Like, I wonder how they did this. That was like, that was, that was my reaction. I was like, it's very neat that they were able to make things look this weird. And I don't per- need to personally, see it. In, personally, I, don't need to see- I think this, I think that section looks the worst of the movie too, which is probably unpopular to say, but I don't think it looks very good, honestly. I think the, the, the saddest part about it is like the inverted like ground footage or like the strange color dying of footage of the ocean and things like that. I'm like everything at the beginning with like the warping of colors and stuff like that. I'm like, this is very interstellar. This looks awesome and modern. It just drags on for so long (laughs) that they've run out of visual. So they're like, we're just going to start dying helicopter footage basically. And I'm like, okay, you know, like it was neat when I really had no idea what you were doing. Like there's a lot of scenes in, in that in that finale that are just uh quite like a head scratcher. Like I don't I don't know how you would even 
do this without After Effects, basically. Like, that's kind of like yeah. how I was sitting there, like, whoa. Um, and some ending, like, I don't know what the ending meant. I don't care what the ending meant. At that point, I was just like, it's neat what they were able to do, and that's my takeaway, right? I also watched this film in a state of kind of illness. I had a stomach bug, so I was like, sort of not in the mood to do anything else. And I was like, I'm kind of enjoying just taking this in, you know, like I'm yeah. not usually in that state. Um, so it, I think I'm going a little easier on the film than I normally would have as a casual viewer because I was like, I'm chilling. I'm not feeling good. I'm just, I'm here. My dad like started watching it with me because he loves sci-fi. He passed out like halfway through because he, th- he was so <laughs> bored of it. He's like, yes, another door opening scene or whatever. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting you say that in terms of um, it being a, a a good movie to just uh, not really watch, but have watching, you know, be, being sort of existing in maybe the background or existing in a state of just like absorbing and not really engaging. I do feel like that's kind of the best um, the best way for for the movie to exist and to be viewed, um, which which is a little frustrating because you kind of do want to um, you you do want people to to see this movie. I mean, you you want it to be like like oh yeah two thousand one like totally everybody should see that. Um, but at the same time, you're like oh yeah, but it's also like almost three hours and it's so slow, <laughs> you know. So like so like I don't know I. I, um, I've always said that this movie needs to be edited down, uh, in, in a lot of ways. Um, which again is like, a, it's another blasphemous thing to say. Um, but I, I do, I, I feel like it's, um, it's a movie that could, that could, um, benefit a lot from, from, being shortened or being a little bit briefer, um, not lingering on some things, uh, for, for so long. Like I genuinely think it would be a more enjoyable and better movie if it was like a little bit less, um, tenuous and like, and like, so all over the place. What um, the, the film's runtime is like three hours. Is that right? Yeah. It's like two forty-five, dude. Two hours, it would be like almost a perfect movie. Yeah, and I don't. I, I don't represent. I don't even care what the film community or anybody thinks. Like I'm, I'm not in that. You know, I'm just like, this movie has fat to cut. Yeah, and you can like my least favorite comment around film is like, well, it's the the space is there for a reason, you know, and I'm like, yeah, but you're just a. It's it, it almost feels like an abuse of it. It's so aiming for like this large message that's so ambiguous that it's really almost coming away with nothing. And that that's that is a intense statement I think for some critics to hear. But we watched like Monica Mana which was like literally nothing happening and you know what that resulted in? Absolute zero respect of the film. Like at least yeah. this has mer- like it has merit in in craft. There, there is something that demands respect from it being made. But if it didn't have that, which it does have that, if it didn't, what did it have? Not, I, I don't know. Like, there's not really a plot that is deeper than surface level. Yeah. Right? There's not... I, I, I mean, mean it, it is in terms of, of what it's trying to grapple with. I, I do think, I do think, you know, 
uh, I'll give this movie credit for for exploring certain ideas about sort of about humanity, um, about sort of the um, the way that technology is driving things. Um, yeah, I, I totally think it's not only is it um, is it interesting in that realm, but also it's um, it's very innovative because what you know the sci-fi movies before this were all just schlock. Yeah, basically. So sure, sure. So this movie was was dealing with things like you know, like uh, the evolution of man through technology, and like you know, some pretty heady things for a 1968 audience. Um, at the same time, I I totally agree, and like it's it leaves you feeling kind of empty in terms of like what it's what it's giving you. I guess I I don't know. For me, like. The last are, scene, the yeah, last th- sequence is always like, um, just a little bit like, oh, okay. You know, like, <laughs> like, I don't know. I just, I don't feel like it is, um, I, it's not worth all of the, um, all of the time that you would put, it, put into it, um, to like draw something out of it for me. Um, the, what drives me so nuts about this movie is that there are like you were saying there are there are questions proposed through the storytelling and the characters right with how the computer um and like you're saying comments around technology that are so undermined by this wacky ending that i I wasn't even thinking about those those concepts by the end yeah. The end I was like that that's this is cool visual effects and I'm kind of bored cuz it just keeps going and there's a baby. <laughs> Whatever. You know, like I was like a, a big whoop de doo. I don't want to talk about gravity. I I hate that movie. I was like <laughs> I'm like I don't care about birth and space and all this wax stuff like well it, it, in in my mind the idea of the ending and just just pulling something out of it is um the the idea about about sort of a rebirth through either exploration or through technology. Um, and I think there's room for it to be interpreted both as sort of a positive as, and a negative. Um, and it's probably both, honestly. But that that's why, for me, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, it's just <laughs> it's just kind of... I don't want to say it's half-baked, because I know it's not. Like, I, I, I feel like I'm giving this movie kind of short shrift. But I'm what I'm trying to say is... It it's it it needs to be um, cut down, and it, it really does. And I, I actually, Steven Soderbergh um, a couple of years back released like a two hour cut of of the movie, um, which has since been deleted off the internet, and I, I'm unable to find. But um, yeah, that that's like the that's the version I want to watch, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's. There's a lot to give it credit. I can understand why some people are great activists of this film. It's like Tim, who's one of our Patreons, said, like, how many times are you going to watch it before you review it? I intentionally watch these films once, right? Cameron and I have talked about, like, uh, maybe someday we'll go back and we'll do rewatches. M- maybe this is one of those movies that you have to watch a couple times to pull out things. I've only seen it once. But my goodness, do I not want to go back and watch it again? I sat through it once. You know, like that's that's what's so difficult about it is it's like if you're going to be one of those films that you have to watch multiple times to pull out these great 
you know, ideas about existence and, and mankind and all this stuff. Like, you better be a movie that I want to go back and watch, you know, that I that I am not regretting to sit through. I mean, maybe the next time I just get totally beat up by some illness or something like that, like, I'll be like, well, I got nothing better to do, so I'll go back to it. But this film needs something. I don't know what it is, and maybe it's trimming down. The idea that came to me, just like we were talking about earlier with, you know, my girlfriend Jules making music with movies on, I was like, this this would be the greatest album music video. You know, like I was like, I don't even know what kind of music, you could do any kind of music with it. But just if there was like, like let's say some of the most, I mean, Cameron, you're a huge fan of Snarky Puppy. Can you imagine like a two hour and 45 minute Snarky Puppy record on top of the footage of this film? Like it would be just incredible, you know? Yeah, but you'd need to edit it differently. <laughs> That's the thing. You'd need to be more exciting to to <laughs> for it to be. I don't know. I get what you're saying. Though. I, I totally get what you're saying. It's, it's a movie that um, could benefit as sort of a supplement to... Uh, maybe another media. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's true. Oh, I guess one of the one of the things um, to to sort of attach onto that is that early on when it was when it was playing, you know, in theaters, this was a movie that was um, kind of renowned for people uh, tripping on LSD while watching, which is like, oh yeah. Totally. Yeah, I I get I uh, totally understand why because this movie almost um you almost want to be in a different plane of existence while watching yes. this movie. Yeah, um, and that's why that's why I was so glad that I was sick yeah, to enjoy yeah, it, exactly. you know? I yeah. was in a, I was in a different space, you know? I was like, "Whoa, whatever, man. I'm I can't move. Maybe I'll take a bath later, you know?" Like <laughs> Yeah. Just, it's it's Sad that so much craftsmanship and talent is needed to be supplemented by something. You know, it like like I said, it's just it's needing something. I don't know if it's you're creating music, or you need some visual inspiration to your artwork, or you want to trip out and watch this movie, or you know. You're not feeling good, so you're just putting it on, dozing in and out of it, right? Which I did not fall asleep. I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. I did not fall asleep. I actually stayed awake through the whole thing. Um, it's it's not fair to its excellence, you know. It's not yeah. fair to it, but it's disappointing to me because you're right, Cameron. This film is difficult for me to tell anyone to sit down and watch for two hours and forty five minutes. I almost wanted to in that studio session in LA say. Hey, I have a great film that we can turn on while you guys are writing this banging EDM track because you it would fit. It, yeah, almost anything yeah. would fit, you know. Like I was like, you guys would love it, but I didn't want to overstep. So yeah, yeah. Well, I so um, the last time that I I was really thinking about this movie before this podcast was uh, um, in New York. Uh, I went to New York, um, you know, last February, and. Uh, it was just playing in a bar in a little tiny bar that we were sitting in and it was like captivating 
as it was on and in the background. You know what I mean? Like you, you know, you're sitting chatting, having having a conversation, and then you look up and it's like it's like oh he's reading Hal's reading the lips, you know, and uh, or you know you look up and it's a different section of uh, you know of of him running around the the you know the vertical thing and it's like it's like there there there's so many cap captivating images um that it's it's frustrating when you sit down and watch the whole thing when you're when you're not captivated you know when it doesn't it doesn't engage your your brain um but to be fair and to to give it some credit um it's totally uh as a as sort of a first foray into these movies like an uh, a first foray into to the epic um sci-fi genre um and as a leader in the genre like it it is um you could totally see how things have built and 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 also how it would have captivated people at that time um you know so like i don't want to i don't want to um I want to give it credit in in that realm, and I I feel like you know I don't want to be entirely negative to it because it it's very easy for me, um, and I have in the past to dismiss this movie and be like, oh yeah, it's I it's boring, I don't like it, like it kind of sucks. Um, it's it's easy for me to do that and toss it aside. It's like meh, shouldn't it doesn't matter. You should you don't have to see it. Um, but I don't think it's, I don't think it deserves that necessarily. Um, and I do want, I'm conflicted in, in how I, I'm like rating it or how I'm sort of giving it a, a, a recommendation. Yeah. Um, well, be- before, be- before we get to the ratings and I, I don't mean to interrupt you, Cameron, because no, we yeah. have been, we have been critical of, I think the film's major flaw. It, it it's you know i don't know if it has too many other flaws and so i thought it would be good to like take some time and talk about things that we just adore about this film because there's a lot to talk about i can start it off i love the colored spacesuits like the yellow blue and red is just i love it like i, I yeah. as soon as i saw it i was like oh my goodness and the scene with um the the guy in the yellow spacesuit like spinning out there in space i'm like yeah. this is just i'm never going to forget it you know it's 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 stuck with me and i want to see it often you know honestly most of the things with how that ending like storyline plot is is great like it's what i wish the film was alone Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it was what I was looking for going in. And so I, I think I, I pretty much loved everything in that area and, and all the different ideas that it kind of, you know, pokes at you with. Yeah. Uh, for me, I mean, it's, it's just a, as Kubrick often is, but it's just a master of visual storytelling. Um, it, I mean, honestly, it, it might be his best, uh, in terms of, of like much, most of this movie or a lot of this movie is basically silent. You know, it's, it's basically a silent movie with, with either music or, or, you know, it's sound effects. Um, and it's so 
powerfully effective in what it's trying to tell. You know, I think about that that sequence where you know they're talking about Hal in the uh, in the in the uh, escape pod, um, and they're they're kind of they're assuming that he he hasn't heard them uh you know because they they tested hal they said you know uh, turn the turn the pod hal um and uh you find out just through simple visual storytelling that um that hal is actually just reading their lips um he doesn't need to hear them he can he can understand their conversation because he's an ai you know and, and that's that's what he does and so like i just love those little details those touches of um, just f- like extremely fun and interesting visual storytelling moments. That's why I like the the um, sort of first short film. Uh, I think it's as as a, a a sort of encapsulated story. Um, it is so visually interesting, and at the same time, it it completely tells you exactly what you need to know without um without dialogue, without words, without any sort of inner titles or anything like that. Like it shows you exactly what you need, um, to know. And, and, and you get the understanding of what, of what it's trying to say. So like, um, it's, it's so impressive. Uh, and he does a, he does a great job of it. Um, unfortunately it just goes off the rails in, in certain parts, but, um, yeah. And I also love the sequence where he's turning off Hal in the bay, you know, he's, he's sort of taking out his, his memory, uh, unit and it's like Hal's fading away. And, and, you know, it's like, it's almost a touching moment in a weird way. Um, Yeah, it's very, you can see that's probably been an inspiration for, for a lot of storylines in, in, in sci-fi films. So yeah. Do you, do you have any others? Yeah, I think Hal's complexity as an AI and a character is not generic, but more of a pillar and a standard that people aspire to achieve. He is like clean and, you know, emotionless, yet tapping into something that's pretty close to humanity. It's extremely believable as an AI. And his um his motivation is convincing and not really like evil it's just up in the air you know like it's very like you can understand where the ai is coming from and i loved his character i actually enjoyed the and it's interesting you pinned it as three short stories because i didn't really even consider that until you mentioned it i just thought it was a strange way to pace to the story around how um but I, I liked the context and the backdrop of the corporate space travel scene. Mostly with the set design, the red chairs were fascinating to me. Um, there's this eerie sense of loneliness despite the companionship that is tense between most people on the spacecraft and him flying alone out to this thing their experience on the 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 moon surface with the monolith is visually striking but i just i don't know the whole like cover up with the quarantine is i'm like man this is like 
bringing up thoughts around like Mass Effect and and some of the inspirations that I love is like sci-fi, right? It's just, yeah, the the whole like um, opening piece besides like the bone shot and the first appearance of the monolith, like I didn't connect with, but I appreciate your opinion, Cameron, around like visual storytelling because you're right, like it it makes sense. It, it follows a storyline somehow without saying a lot of dialogue. So, yeah, no, yeah, I, I um, it's interesting. I, I kind of always check out in that, um, in that little middle section with the, mm-hmm. um, w- with the, the sort of space station and, you know, going to the moon with a monolith, obviously the moon sequence where they're, they they all go down and they see the monolith and the soundtrack's like, Oh, <laughs> you know, um, right. Right. The weird like choir stuff. going Yeah. On. Yeah. Um, obviously that's really interesting and cool. Um, and I like that from, a, you know, that's one of the things that stuck with me visually is that, that sort of like. Um, you know, lab, uh, quarantine zone kind of feel. Um, but the the earlier portions of that, I I always once he gets into the um the space station, you know, he he flies up. I I like that sequence of of him like floating and and there's the the pen flying around. Um, yeah, yeah. And I always I always um watch for the moment and if you ever rewatch this this movie you'll you'll now know it too but i always watch for the moment where she t- she takes the pen and she unsticks it with uh, from the double-sided tape on the the plate of glass that they were using um, oh. i always i always watch for that because it's it's really neat um and uh yeah um i don't know that uh, but after that it, it sort of you know, he's going and he's like conferencing his, his, um, you know, his family and he's, it's kind of, that, that's where it kind of drags for me and doesn't really uh, pick up until, until we get to the interview with, um, with, uh, what, what's, what's, what I can't, I can't remember anybody's name in this, <laughs> in this movie. Oh yeah. The, the, the uh, interview with Dave, um, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's kind of where it, where it jumps back in for me. And then, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why I fan. I I don't know why I enjoyed that section. I just liked it. Mm. I think there's it, something visual about it, like the the design of the like space stations is like this never ending downhill that you're walking down, right? Yeah, like it's just yeah. like this round, and, and you see it again with him jogging, which you mentioned. Um, and it's yeah, interesting. It's interesting to to just kind of cognitively understand, but not like they they don't spend any time or mention any of it. Um, you cognitive, you you get it that the reason why it's spinning is because they need to be like that's the gravity simulator. Yes, um, which is super cool. It's like totally, um, totally brushed over. But as a, I'm sure as a viewer in in the '60s, you'd be like, "Whoa, that's like that's crazy," you know. They're, mm-hmm. they're you know, it's spinning and that's how they make gravity. You know, it's like, that is crazy. It is definitely something to think. I wonder if that's real, if if you could actually do that. Um, use I, centrifugal I force. That would be, I don't know if that would really make sense. I don't know if it sure. would work either. But you do you're think in, about those like carnival rides, right? Where they, yeah, yeah, they, exactly. they like press you down and the, yeah. But you're in zero gravity. So I don't know if you... I'm not sure if that would work because <laughs> I'm sure centrifugal force only works in uh, state with gravity, right? 
Well, we're, we're speaking out of our pay grade. I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot to love about this film. I think if you're a creative person, you can find a lot to pull away from it and you can suffer through maybe the longer, boring parts. I mean, it's cool. It's neat to hear that like Cameron enjoyed certain sections of the film that I didn't find interesting and I enjoyed a section that he didn't, which could speak to maybe your own inspirations and whatnot, right? So there's there's a lot to like and a lot to enjoy. Cameron, I know earlier, I don't know if you want to add anything else. We can talk about shot of the film now, but I want to get back to what you're saying about rating. Yeah, for me, um, I would say this is probably in between the curious and the cinephiles. Um, and, you know, it's a tough rating because it's always like it's always a movie that's on people's list of like, oh, I should really watch that movie, you know. Um, but I, I think you really need to be in a headspace to, to, to sit down and watch it and pull, pull something out of it. I do think anybody watching it could probably tell that this was, um, a, a feat of, of filmmaking, um, you know, a visual Marvel. I think anybody who sat down and watched it could be like, yes, this looks amazing. And I'm so impressed that it was made back then. Um, there's something different about that, um, than saying like, I enjoyed this movie for what it is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> like there's, there's something, there's something different there. So for me, um, you know, probably the curious or the, or the cinephiles. Yeah. I think this, I'm going to sort of compare this film to this dumb allegory that I came up with in my head right now. But like, let's say you want to go see the Eiffel Tower in Paris, right? For some people, they would rather just have the Eiffel Tower like in a picture or, I don't know, represented, you know, through a VR headset or something like that. Like, it's like, I can experience it that way. I wish I could just get the feeling or the you know, the experience of seeing the Eiffel Tower just that way. Like my, myself personally, I'm not a huge person that loves to travel, right? And, you know, I, I got to be honest, I'm like, I'm not super interested in going to see the Eiffel Tower, right? But some people would be willing to book a flight, you know, get to the hotel, deal with the headache just to stand underneath the greatness of the Eiffel Tower. And this movie has an ounce of that where it's like you really kind of have to get through those those planning phases, those those boring moments, the the sludge to see something that's going to take your breath away, right? And I can understand how a lot of people are like, "You know what? That's everything in life, you know? You got to you got to you got to just get through it. You got to experience that moment, right? But it's a movie, guys. You know, it's a movie. It's supposed to be entertaining. I'm not saying that movies can't be challenging to get through, but this is like the casuals like grab, you know, like this is where I kind of come from watching these movies. Cameron's saying like, you, there's no doubt you can academically come at this film and, and witness. It's impossible to deny, you know, just like standing underneath the Eiffel Tower would be impossible to deny how impressive it is, right? But it's like there's a cost to sort of get to that, right? Yeah. And 
I just, I don't know. Like if you're in the mood, go for it. That's kind of like, that's why I'm, I placed this film in the curious. Cause I'm like, if you're in for it, you're in for it, go for it. Right. Um, you're not going to be let down. I, I just don't know if everyone's ready for that. You know, like, I don't know if yeah. people can actually handle, you know, the planning of their trip and all that. I, I, I can, I know plenty of people that would tap out of this film, um, yeah. in, in, in the sitting, but if they were committed to it, right. If they're almost going with a notebook and they're like, I'm going to just take it for what it is. I'm going to look for the inspiration and the excitement. Maybe it's the backdrop to something else. It's like, it is great for that. So I'm going to put it for the curious. Um, I don't, and, and Cameron, I, I don't think it, it really belongs in the cinephile category besides maybe if you're deeply into saying like, I have to watch all the great ones of all time. I mean, you know, you're already curious. So I just, yeah, yeah I, I, I think there's a lot to like here and we really pinned, I, I think Cameron and I were, were a little unapologetic with maybe it's flaw. I'm, I'm curious to know, like, do people deny this? You know, like, do, do people say like, no, like it's not boring at all. You know? <laughs> I don't, I, yeah. I actually don't know. Um, I, I, f- Everyone that I've ever talked to about this movie um, has the same feeling, but it's almost like, it's almost like a secret. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's all, everybody who I've ever talked to, um, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people I've talked to, it's been like, yeah, wow. It's like really impressive. It's super great. Yay. Yay but I don't like it and I don't want to watch it, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So, so like, yeah, I, in my mind, um, this is a movie that is undeniably, um, great, but not undeniably, but, but not, not very interesting, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there are interesting elements. I think it's undeniably great and undeniably flawed with boredom. It's, I yeah. think like, like that's because there's a lot to pull away. I totally agree with you, Cameron. The ending kind of leaves you not quite sure where to land. You know, like yeah, I'm. I wasn't thinking about AI. I wasn't thinking about the development of mankind. I was just kind of like. That was a lot of color, and there's a baby, <laughs> like that. That's like, and and maybe I'm a Neanderthal for thinking that. Who knows? Maybe you're maybe one that of those early, uh, early on, uh, you know, bone people uh, hitting. I guess hitting so. The, hitting the other tribes with the bones. <laughs> I just, it's, its ending is like a Kojima ending, which is you know, like this. I, I don't know, like it's just. It's artsy for artsy's sake and whatever. Like, I'm not going to praise it for doing that. You know? Yeah. Well, I, the, we, the question keep, is, how do you end a movie that is, it is, that's like that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how do, how do you end something like that? Um, I don't know the answer, but all I know is uh, it didn't move me in any great way. It never has. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating because I want it. I want it to. I want to be 
open to enjoying sort of more and more of this movie, uh, which I think I, I actually think I have. I've I've opened up to this movie a lot um, from the first time that I that I watched it. Um, but I still feel like it's um, uh, super tedious, super tedious to watch um, and to sit there. And I can't, you know, the films that really resonate with me do have a pretty concise message that is almost a universal message. You know, we did all those Wilder movies and he is so good at lining up, like in a broad sense, like lining up the ball. He's covering so much ground all over the place and then drops the pin on that one note statement and then lets it just be like, you can take it in any direction you want, right? This movie is like up to interpretation, which usually has me questioning how brilliant it is in the first place. Those movies are difficult to convince me. Um, but I was glad that this film had a lot of other elements that I could appreciate, even if I couldn't interpret it it in some ways. Cause I was like, there's so much cool stuff to look at, right? Like at least yeah. it, it has all, all that neat stuff too. So yeah, I can understand your frustration and, and maybe, I mean, it sounds like you've interpreted it, Cameron, in an expert's way. I just, um, I don't know. Like, like, is this film difficult to interpret? Cause I, I felt like it was rough for me. Uh, I, feel for me i when i think about this movie and like the meaning of this movie it's always like in an academic sense um if that makes sense it's always like uh, you know i don't know you know when you do like an essay or you do like a, a, a school project and you're like you're like this is what this means you know what i mean like that's that's how i feel i don't feel yeah, moved by yeah. anything about it um i don't feel particularly like i care necessarily about the interpretation or i'm like involved in like Oh yeah, that's actually a really interesting way to think about this movie. It's like ah, rebirth and humanity. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It just feels like so it's it feels so like um dry. It, MLA MLA yeah, format. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh. Um yeah. Well, anyways, I think we should get to the shot of the film because uh, we don't want to end up like 2001 and overstay our welcome, you know? Oh, my gosh. It's like that MLA paper that kind of breaks the mold of the format, but the teacher's like, so innovative. <laughs> and everybody else in the class is like, well, we, we kind of stuck to the prompt, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, shot of the film for me is um, with the Howl crew. There's so many good things in there. Yeah. But I really appreciated the scene where he had put on his red spacesuit and he's like walking down that corridor that has like all the lights around like the round cylinder tunnel that he's in. Um, thought that was great. There's a, a great scene of like the yellow astronaut being caught. And of course the red in Hal's brain is yeah. just epic. It's so. awesome. Yeah. There's so much in that sequence that I love. Um, even just like the opening of the, the part of, you know, the, the really long, tedious, um, uh, end sequence. Um, the opening of that is interesting where it's like, it's like flashing with his face and like, and it's like, ah, and the screenshots of his face. And then there's like the lights flashing and his eyes, you know, like that, that whole montage that like, if it was just that, it would be awesome. Like <laughs> it would. Oh, 
it would be way better. Yeah, and the um the eclipse scene with the monolith through space where oh, like all the planets so align. Cool. Yeah, I was like, so what cool. the this is awesome. Like they just so unique and like how do I get that on a t shirt sort of moment. Right? Yeah. I already so. mentioned the um the sort of like lab where the where all the lights are like pointing at, mm-hmm. at the monolith. Um I keep waving my hands and my autofocus goes nuts, but sorry. <laughs> um <laughs> uh I love the yeah, I love that sequence with the lab. Um I really like um you know everything where he's he's running and there's the there's the sort of turning and the pinwheel of of uh of the space station. Um we already mentioned Hal's red brain uh, yep. which is super cool. Um and then everything in space is just like so good looking. Like it all looks yeah. amazing. I I don't know yeah. I, I don't know how um like the harsh, harsh lighting where it's like it's like sun and then you know like bright light and then and then shadow and like everything. That's it's just awesome. It looks so cool, um, and is obviously a huge inspiration for um, you know th- things like Star Wars and whatnot. So um, yeah, everything in space is epic. Um, There's so many good. Sh- you can't really give one shout shout out to one shot of the film. Yep. Um, also I mentioned Hal reading lips, um, because it's just, uh, it's, it's an amazing storytelling moment. It's like, for me, it's like the linchpin of the movie, honestly. It's, it's like, uh, you start to understand more of the motivation of Hal as a character. And then it, in just one shot, you understand like what's going on. It's, it's awesome. It's so, so cool that he was able to like, um, visually tell, uh, that that sort of conflict. So. The focus of Hal's iris, like that that eye, not only is it iconic, but there's like a there's like this void of humanity, but it's it's so like almost um uh what's what's it called like uncanny valley kind of thing where it's like okay that's a computer that's a dome that's a camera. But also, like, as he's dying, like, the iris is getting smaller, things like that. Like, there's all these little things that you're kind of just like, something is off. I don't know why I'm feeling uncomfortable around this because he's just a computer, but he's he's making these sterile statements, but he's kind of, like, I don't know. He's he's quite convincing as um, a robot. It's, it's, it's very epic in and of itself. I... I I think the last third, um, it's worth watching, you know, like if you can't sit through it, you could probably watch that last third alone and just be like, oh yeah, like this is, this is cool. I totally get what's going on. Yeah. 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 So I think that pretty much wraps up our thoughts on 2001. Again, we post every Monday. Cameron, do you have any closing statements? We definitely covered a lot of ground with it in terms of our thoughts and, and how it, how it all works and all that. No, it's a it's a good one. I'm glad that we've um, tackled this one on our show now because it's one that is super totally. It, it totally is in the cinematic canon. Like it totally deserves its spot there, um, and you can see why. There's so much inspiration coming just from this one movie. So um, I will say, eventually, we're gonna do a Kubrick month. It's coming. It's gonna happen, and it's gonna be awesome. I love Kubrick. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you will. I honestly like Kubrick is 
he's almost turned around to be a little bit divisive nowadays, mm. which is which is very strange for me because everybody that I've ever known has been like a super Kubrick fan. Um, but like I could kind of see his movies are a little um, are very dark and very like um, they just have a, a, an interesting perspective on human beings. <laughs> I'll just say that. Yeah. So. Well, I've enjoyed the films that I've watched by him. Even if he is a crazy person, um, I, I thought The Shining was. Um, I, I think the the thing that surprises me the most about him is just how cinematically striking his movies look and how um, just modern they they just look modern. They kind of feel modern yeah. in some way, and it's hard to even imagine that it came out so long ago. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited for that. And I'm excited about the rest of our sci-fi month. We're going to be doing two more weeks. I don't know, maybe maybe a couple more. I'm, I'm kind of feeling like we might push it, Cameron. We want to push this on? I just, there's well, a lot of good sci-fi. I agree, you know? I agree. We we can talk after this because I, 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 we have a lot of thinking we need to do. So Yeah, we might, we might uh, push it on for like a month and a half, do a couple... Do a couple more weeks, and then we'll do like some one-off episodes because we've been doing this monthly theme thing, and then we'll get back into a series. Who knows? But we post every Monday. You can find out everything that's going on at ECFS Productions on Instagram and Facebook, and you can, of course, support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. Find more updates there. Get exclusive commentary tracks and have the ability to vote on what we'll be watching. Thanks again, guys, for listening. Thanks for being patient with this episode, and we'll see you guys next Monday. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast executive produced by Darren O'Neill. If you want your name read in the credits of the show, you can check us out at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions to achieve this status. Thank you, Darren, for the support. And for the rest of you, we appreciate your support as well. Have a good one.